Rutgers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show, and can be found on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. The Wisconsin Sports Trilogy can be found on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod, where we tweet about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers, so make sure to give that a follow. And you can find the other someone who is recording with me today, Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender, on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So before we get started today, Trevor, how are you doing over there? Well, I honestly thought you were going to not put me in your intro, so I was hurt originally, but I'm feeling a little better now. Um, I mean, it's mid-October. The Packers are playing phenomenal football, and I am drinking an Oktoberfest, so I cannot complain. Ooh, what kind of Oktoberfest? It's I got Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Okay, that's that's very original. We'll have to expand your Oktoberfest horizons soon. Hey, I was at the grocery store, and it was the only one I could freaking find, and I was sick of looking. So we went with <laughs> Sam Adams because I was actually in Walmart and this Walmart has a terrible beer selection. So it, w- it was my only option. Well, you know, at least they have a beer selection, unlike the quick trip down the road from your house, which is just inexcusable in Wisconsin. Like, really, quick trip? What are you doing? I haven't gone back to that quick trip, which is the closest quick trip to my house. Because they don't have beer. (laughs) That's very fair, and I will not judge you for that. (laughs) But today, uh, we're going to be judging some players, like that transition there. Um, We are going to continue on with our Brewers Top 30 Prospect Countdown. We are hitting on prospect number 28 and 27 today. So that is Alexis Ramirez and Javon Ward. So the Brewers have made a few changes over the course of this last week. Uh, The first one doesn't seem like it's too big of a deal, but Carlos Subaru, the uh, first base coach um, and middle infielders coach, um, was terminated, I guess for a polite way to say it, by the Brewers. Uh, He'd been with the Brewers for the last four years, uh, managed uh, the AA affiliate for two years, and then obviously with the big league club, for the two years before that, but he is out, um, and the Brewers just said they wanted a different voice there, so whether it was related to the fact that Orlando Arcia had a slumpish defensive season and Kesson Hira not so good on the defensive end, um, who knows what it was, but David Stearns obviously felt like he needed to move on from there. 
I know a lot of Brewer fans are making a big deal out of it because he's one of two Brewers coaches who can actually speak Spanish, which I guess is something I would not have thought about. Um, but whether or not they hire someone with that capability, I guess we will find out later. The bigger move the Brewers made was, I guess, two moves, is that Perez uh, was optioned for AAA, and rather than taking the assignment, he elected to go into free agency. He was projected a $3 million salary for 2020 that temporarily uh, made the uh, 40-man roster at 39 for about a day before the Brewers signed Delorius Guerra to a one-year deal and added him to the 40-man roster. So, Trevor, do you have any uh, thoughts on those two moves the Brewers made? Um, so, uh, for Perez, I think we kind of talked about this in that podcast that we were breaking down kind of their choices in the offseason um, and talking a lot about the arbitration players and all of that. So, I think that's kind of what we both expected as we talked through that podcast and more expecting Spanchenberg to be that kind of utility player that Perez was um, and for, I assume, cheaper money in 2020. Um, honestly, I have no idea who that Gara guy is, so I don't have much reactions for that one. Yeah, Dolores Gara made one appearance for the Brewers in early July of 2019. He gave up four earned runs while in recording two outs, and then the next day was sent back down to AAA. So that's why you don't know much about him. But he's a 30-year-old. He had a career year in the minors this year, and... He posted, I believe, is close to 88 strikeouts in like 45-ish appearances. Uh, only failed to record a strikeout in five of his games this year, and was really a good weapon out of the pen for the missions. Um, so at 30 years old, he figured it out, and it's us signing him. I think is a testament to David Stern saying, "Hey." We want you to contribute next year at the big league level. Um, we're committing to you already. So I think that's a big confidence boost for a player, even at 30 years old, uh, finally starting to figure it out. Um, but it's kind of cool to think about the fact we can have uh, dual-armed Garas coming out of the bullpen in 2020. I mean, that really reminds me of Junior Guerra, though, the way just age-wise and all of that. I mean, I don't really know what kind of pitcher he is, and that's something we'll have to look more into in the offseason and coming into next year. But I think that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And if he had that great of a year in AAA, I mean, that's something that the Brewers should look to do if they have confidence. Even you can't put any stock into a two-out outing, um, even though he gave up four runs, like you can't put any stock into that. You got to look at what he's been doing, his body of work. Um, so you, that's, I mean, that should be a little bit exciting, even though I have no idea who he is. I feel like that should be exciting. The fact that he put together a career year, um, I feel like his window at 30 isn't going to be very large, but maybe a couple, two, three years, like that would be great and we'll see what we get out of him um, and see if he's able to contribute this year is the big thing. Yeah, two, three years would be huge because he becomes arbitration eligible in 2021. So it's a great internal option for the Brewers at a very cheap price tag. So I think that's one reason why Stearns uh, decided to go with him. Obviously, the other reason because, as we mentioned, he had a phenomenal year uh, pitching-wise. 
Um, but I guess it's just one of many moves that the Brewers have to make. I mean, there were 16 guys with options or contracts who needed to be tendered, and that's now down to 15. So <laughs> there's a lot more moves to come up in the future. Looking ahead, uh, this week there are some big awards coming out. Uh, Josh Hader was named for a finalist for NL Reliever of the Year. His competition is Kirby Yates and Will Smith. The winner will be announced on October 26th. Uh, Gold Glove finalists will be announced on Thursday the 24th. And then the winners are announced in early February. Not February. Wow. Early November. (laughs) Uh, And then the MLB Players Association um, voted on their Outstanding Player of the Year. Uh, Christian Yelich was a finalist along with Cody Bellinger and Anthony Rendon. And winners will be announced this week as you are listening to it. So, Trevor, do you have any bold predictions on the winners at all? Um, so I think I think Josh Hader should definitely – the fact that he's a finalist, I think, is good recognition for him. Um, I don't know a ton about Will Smith and Kirby Yates in terms of their actual statistics for this past year, um, but wouldn't be surprised at all if Hader makes it, even though I felt like he wasn't as dominant as he was last year. Um, gold glove, I swear to God, if Lorenzo Cain doesn't win a gold glove, I'm gonna, I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do. What, what should I do? I, uh, you should like set something on fire. That's what I tend to do when I'm mad. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set something on fire, but I, I will be so pissed. If he doesn't win a gold glove, um, and if he doesn't make it as a finalist, I, I might just shoot myself in the knee. Um, in terms of the most outstanding player, that one's interesting to me because that's a award that's a vo- voted on by their fellow players. So that one, I feel like it isn't the same in terms of who is going to win it as the MVP because. In my opinion, it's Yelly or Belly for the MVP. But for most outstanding player, I think I think Anthony Rendon's got it because he kind of really came out of nowhere, and I feel like his uh, peers are going to really notice that. And I think that he's going to win that one. Um, but Yelly will win the important one. I would agree. Um, I think. Kirby Yates stands a good chance to take NL Reliever of the Year away from Hader. Um, Yates had more saves and on a really, really crappy team in the Padres. Um, Gold Glove, yeah, obviously you have to hope Lorenzo Cain gets his first of his career, which is just insane to say. Um, Yeah, I actually will agree with you on Rendon. I mean, he put together a complete year. Bellinger started the year off hot and kind of dropped as the season went on. I think if Yelich doesn't get hurt in September, eh, he probably wins it. I mean, honestly, he... There's no way he was going to drop off in September pending an injury, which is what happened to him, unfortunately. Um, so I think Anthony Rendon will take it away there. And he had over 120 RBIs on a Nationals team that's heading to the World Series. So that was props to them. So I guess next we will uh, transition into our prospect po- prospect breakdown. So we will roll through this uh, how we did the first two. Um First up is the right-handed pitcher Alexis Ramirez, who's the 28th prospect. He is six foot two, 170 pounds. 
Brewers actually signed him when he was 19 years old. So think back to February of 2018. Uh, they got him out of the Dominican Republic. So he actually pitched uh, in the summer league there in 2018. Ended with a 4.71 ERA. And really the story was he struggled with walks there. But now as a ripe 20-year-old. He uh, pitched for the Brewers in 2019 uh, in the Arizona Rookie League, which Trevor is going to tell us a little bit about. Yeah, so in the Arizona Rookie League, he made nine starts, appeared in 11 games, though. Not a great ERA, 5.15 in 43 innings. He did have 50 strikeouts, so pretty good job striking out more. Then he has innings pitched. Walks got a little bit better. Still not great with 23 in 43 innings. A whip of 1.72, and that is atrocious. In case you don't know what whip is, that's walks and hits per innings pitched, which basically is just telling you how many base runners they allow per inning. Typically, you see a number around like 1, 1 1.1. Like it typically in the MLB, that's kind of what you're looking at. So 1.72 is pretty bad. In 2019, he gave up eight earned runs in his first start, and that really hurt his ERA throughout the year because he only had nine starts and he only pitched in 11 games. So if you remove that start from his season, his ERA drops to a 3.82, and that's very respectable. If he could do it at the major league level, that'd be very good. Just some of his pitches he consistently can throw about 95 throughout the entirety of his starts he's got a high 70s curveball he's been experimenting with a changeup. so one thing to note though is he does he hasn't pitched long into games um his max amount of pitches thrown in one game is just 44 so hopefully they're able to start kind of breaking him loose and let him get a few more innings and get a few more pitches to see what he can actually do throughout a full start and see if he can maintain that 95 velocity. So his best game of 2019 um, came in August on the 12th. He pitched five and two-thirds innings through just 37 pitches, which is crazy because if you look in the MLB, five and two-thirds innings, pitchers are throwing like 80 pitches in that time frame. And Every single one of those 37 pitches were strikes, struck out nine in that time, um, and just allowed three hits. So absolutely incredible. And based on that information, hopefully he's over um, struggling with his command and walks. Yeah, I think he made this prospect list because he's got that high velocity at such a young age. And it's good to see him throw that consistently through his starts. You know, granted, he hasn't thrown over... 44 pitches as Trevor said but there's a lot of promise there and with my next part here it's everyone's favorite segment where I review uh the how they looked when they were pitching <laughs> so as wind up uh, he he starts square to the batter and then he kind of backsteps to turn his body he utilizes a really high leg kick it's super impressive like I don't know how the baseball pants don't split it's that high uh, he brings that leg uh, as it's at the top and it's moving forward, it actually gets completely straight as it's moving towards the batter at home. It looks super awkward, but it works. Um, 
it's a lot of legs coming at you, like literally. Uh, and then, of course, coming out of the stretch, he decreases that leg kick significantly. But yeah, he's got a lot going on with his windup, and that may, you know, maybe one reason why he struggles a little bit with command. Um, but there's a lot going on, and you got to really be in tune with your mechanics when you are pitching like that. But it'll be interesting to watch him moving forward, and maybe we'll see him in some low or high A games in 2020. Next up is number 27, Javon Ward. He is a 6'5 outfielder, 190 pounds. The Brewers drafted him in the 12th round in 2017. He will be 20 years old at the start of next season. He is a batter from the left-hand side, but throws with his right. And Trevor's going to recap the first couple of years of his minor league seasons for us. I think, before I get to that, Tyler, I think our fans really enjoy you telling them how big of a player they are, because that really doesn't matter in baseball. But Well, when we started, <laughs> when we started this segment with Clayton Andrews, who is 5'6", I feel like it's relevant now to tell them how tall they are. <laughs> okay, fair. How tall is Bobby Wall? You didn't t- talk about that on the last one. Must so. not have been relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 6'5", he's pretty tall. Um, but let's get into the stats for Ward. He spent the 2017 and 2018 seasons in Rookie League. Played pretty well in those two seasons. But in 2019, he played with the Timber Rattlers and his stats did dip a little bit. Um, so those 2019 stats, he's he had a um, 225 batting average, 311 on base percentage, uh, 322 slugging percentage, 633 OPS, two home runs, 46 RBIs, 16 doubles, and seven stolen bases. So... One interesting point here. I'm just going to kind of read off this stat for you guys. So 69, drink, 0.9% of ground ball rate in 2018. That was third highest among all minor league players. And then that went down to 53.2% in 2019. He does have some great speed, makes him a plus defender in the field. Obviously in the outfield, that is very important, but it looks like he's still learning the art of stealing the ba- stealing bases, even with his speed. Um, and he really does do a good job of using all aspects of the field for his hitting. Not a pull hitter, not a just oppo hitter. So if you break it down, he pulls 38% of the time, goes to center 26, and goes oppo 35% of the time. So pretty even spread there. So no one's pulling a switch on this guy. And then if you're looking towards where he was in the batting order, he hit 5th, 6th, and 7th for the Timber Rattlers. And I actually remember when we went and watched Ethan Small, and we'll get to him later in this um, prospect breakdown, much later. But I remember watching this guy play. I don't, he didn't do anything incredible while we were there, but I do remember his name. So that was exciting to see him on this list and then be able to watch him play a little bit. His best game was probably August 4th. Um, happy birthday, Tyler. When he went three for three with two triples, two RBIs, and a walk. So damn good game there on Tyler's birthday. So Tyler, why don't you take I'm it away? I'm impressed you remembered that's my birthday. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> 
Wow. Come on. And your yours is what, you know, July fifteenth, sixteenth, I think. Uh shows how good of a friend I am. Eighteenth <laughs> maybe. It's somewhere in there. Close, but you didn't get well, it. I'm not gonna keep guessing and embarrassing myself and ruining our friendship, but I will point out to you that you'll notice a trend, especially Closer to the 30th prospects, there's a lot of T-Rats players on there, and guys we actually did see play, so that is kind of exciting for us anyway. Uh, but my analysis here of Javon Ward, looking a little bit at his swing, he uses a little bit of a small leg kick to help shift his weight back, um, and I say small as in it's not like Keston Hira uh, leg kick big, it's just a little baby one. Uh, his stance kind of reminds me of Christian Yelich, which is, I know, very, very uh, hard to compare to. But I think it just reminds me because obviously they're left-handed. They're both very tall. And then you can kind of see early on in Javon Ward's career, he doesn't quite know how to use his hips and generate a lot of power. Um, he just really stands up super tall, which is, you know, what Christian Yelich does in the plate. So I think that was a fair comparison for me anyway. Trevor, do you have anything on these last two prospects at all? I really do not. Your whole saying his stance reminds you of Christian Yelich, that's a bold statement there, guy. <laughs> it is. Uh, I didn't say he could swing the bat like Christian <laughs> Yelich. I said his stance reminds me of Christian <laughs> Yelich. So don't get the two confused. All right. Yeah, I, I do not have a lot on these two. Like I said, Ward, we did see play. There is a couple players looking at this prospect list that I am kind of excited to talk about um, that we saw at the T-Rats. Um, obviously, we went and saw um, Ethan Small, um, but there is some other players that are, like Tyler said, kind of closer to that 30 that I am excited about, and hopefully we can see a little bit more from them um, continuing to kind of improve including these two players we just talked about because you can't get too high on players this low on the prospect list but they're still top 30 prospects in the system and that's saying something considering how big baseball minor league systems are so they are still good exciting players um, but just don't get overly excited when we're talking about different stats and things just remember take them with a grain of salt they're playing at rookie ball or low A, high A affiliates. So get excited, but don't get too excited because I do that way too often. And I just want to make sure you guys do not do that because it's terrible get being crushed. <laughs> All right. Agreed. On that note, that will conclude our podcast for today. Look for, on the next podcast, Corey Howell and Tyrone Taylor, the 26th and 25th prospects. We'll break them down. As I mentioned, make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod and checking out the uh, Bucks and Packers podcast as well for those seasons are off to an exciting start. So make sure you're checking them out. And until next time, go Brewers. Fear the beer. <laughs>